Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 58. I think it's 58. It's about that. Um, If that's wrong, don't worry about it. It's fine. We're all going to be all right. Um, Thank you for tuning in, guys. And thank you for all the support. uh, We've been doing some specials recently. We did a drug special. We did a death slash death and sex special. And we did a trans special. And these were exciting because the people that were the guests weren't necessarily huge names. But they've been some of our biggest reactions we've had to the podcast. Some of our biggest download numbers and everything and that excites me hugely because it's all well and good when we've got a a huge name on to get these big numbers but it's great that we've now built this fan base that are just there and open to interesting stuff Um, I've mentioned this numerous times but it excites me the the movements podcasts are making to free up the media and I generally mean free media and not just free to be downloaded for free but free in what they do and what they cover and what they speak about. There's no agendas, there's no big companies, there's this genuine ability to just speak freely. Um, And that's exciting. Um, I mean, speaking of the fact it's free, head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and spend some money on on supporting my label and my website, supporting the podcast there. Speechdevelopmentrecords.com. B. Dolan is now on tour. He's in the country, ladies and gentlemen. You need to go out and see him if you haven't already. If you haven't got your tickets, get your tickets. Um, I mean, look at B. Dolan on Twitter or Facebook or any of that, and he'll be r- rambling on about it constantly, as will I on, on facebook.com slash Pip and Speech Dev Rex and all the good places. But head over to the website, buy the stuff, support the stuff, enjoy the stuff, watch the stuff, play with the stuff. Um, yeah, on to today's guest. On to today's guest, Tom Davis, um, a great comedian actor. He was in, he was the lead, he was the lead and the mastermind behind behind Murder and Successful, which is my favourite thing the BBC have done in ages. Probably my favourite TV show this year. Um, it slayed me. It was like six episodes, but it was so funny. Tears and tears of laughter, genuinely. I sat here before a UFC with my brother and my girlfriend and we were just... My brother had already seen it, so it was one of them ones where he gets to sit there being, check this shit out, knowing that I'm going to be in tears of laughter and, uh, yeah, I was indeed. It was amazing. So, yeah, it was great to then get uh, Tom on. I'd kind of tweeted about it and we'd we'd realised that we were both fans of each other's work. I then started noticing him in everything. Everywhere I turned, I was seeing his face. Um, And it was great to get him in because it's great to chat to... I mean, we we talk a lot about the different connections we have from upbringing to the the people we've had on the podcast that have uh, affected his life. Um, So, in fact, why not let's just get into it, eh? This is Distraction Pieces, episode 58, with Tom Davis. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. Hello, hello. Right, yep, I'm rolling. And that's the beginning. That's how I start. It's as slick as that. But you've heard the show, yeah. so you know. I'm joined by Tom Davis. How are you doing? Very well. Glad to be here. Um, 
I mean, before we got starting there, we were just having a bit of a, a football discussion and we should get out of the way immediately that I'm a Millwall fan, you're a West Ham fan, but we're going to show that these two things can come together. And yeah, with, 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 with love. Yeah. It's almost like we're building massive bridges. It really yeah. is. I mean, I, I generally, as I was about to say, I think it's fascinating because I've been going since I was a kid and been to tons of Millwall West Ham games and there's always atmosphere, but in a good way. And yeah. then it wasn't until we were not in the league together for so long that when we came together in that cup match and then there was all these riots, I genuinely think, and again, a previous guest and friend of yours, and, and Neil Masco, I'd say, is partly to blame because there was a load of these these hooligan films yeah, yeah. that made people think that there was this big rivalry that had died long ago. Because I, I said, the last three or four times we'd played, I'd been at them games, there'd been no trouble at all. I was never massively aware. I mean, it was obviously a rivalry. I think that's the weird thing about those football hooligan films. I think they just all, all of a sudden, they sort of, they made these sort of rivalries become sort of more relevant I suppose sort of like Millwall Chelsea I never saw as a massive no. massive thing and, and then with they, they in the cup this season or last season and it was like everyone oh yeah the old f-. and you think that was never a massive like, it was never a massive thing and again even when it is it's these people don't realise um even what it's about. Well, I, I, was, I was meant to be doing a documentary a while back for BBC Three, actually, who is where I found your yeah. um, w- wonderful work um, initially, which we'll, which we'll get to, obviously. But um, I was meant to be doing a thing for them, and I wanted to do a documentary looking at why Millwall and West Ham had a rivalry. And I started a, a research, and it was a, a Dockers strike back in the day, yeah, yeah. And, and all this kind of thing. It's like, n- none of those kids who were rolling about on the pitch no knew that or cared about that in the I think if you even went to people now and sort of like tried to get the real relevance of what Tottenham and Arsenal's about yeah. they wouldn't know yeah. I, I think it's, it's that weird thing I don't think people know the history of things I mean I, I, there's a part of me as well with I was actually talking about this the other day in the pub about when we move at the end of this season and it's a massive thing it's probably the only things that I'll almost cry Pretty about big, isn't um, it? Yeah. but moving from Upton Park yeah. so I, th- I think that, that you're almost selling it there to be something different football yeah I've been to the Emirates and I've been in these amazing stadiums but the weird thing of some, moving from Upton Park is almost an extension of that area and the people around it and Completely. it looks like the den when you go yeah. to the den it's, it's, it's a real experience and, and, and we moved from the old den to that yeah, den yeah. but it was up the road it was yeah. literally like I park in the same place that my dad used to park for the old den as we do for the new den this is my point it's like my, a guy I had my season ticket with for years Gary has the calf there the Upton Park calf and like but things like that are reliant on you know the pubs yeah. around it. you think like the old bowling and all that just those two days where they a week where they get people coming really busy yeah and all of a sudden that's gone that trade's gone and you're just going over to yeah. well, are they, they going to move are they going to open a, yeah. <laughs> a, new, a pub yeah. in, 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 in Westfield yeah <laughs> like a West Ham pub there <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrifying work, is it? I, I'm you know I, we're talking about Neil Maskell and um, both of us are massive massive football fans but you know, we we often say it's not the, it's not the same as as it was. Yeah, it's, it makes you sort of feel, as soon as you start saying that you feel old anyway in life. It's it's one of the reasons I don't get m- mad at Millwall like not being in the Premiership because yeah. it feels that bit more real. It feels that um, like when we went down last season and when it, it looked like we were going to go down and then we started to pull it back. I didn't want us to pull it back because I felt that we're not got the finances to do anything other than struggling the championship yeah. with loan players. I felt if we go down, then we can rebuild and all this. And I said that to a few people, and they're like, oh, you shouldn't want to go down. And it, was, it was that realisation that 
oh no, you're forgetting that I'm going to be here regardless. Yeah, and that's... I'm, I'm going to be here every season as, as, as supporting. I'm not going to go, oh, they're down, forget them for a bit. experiences as well of like, for, for me, of like when we went down to, when we were in the championship, yeah. we had the games against you, which yeah. was great. You know, I mean, we, we sort of were a mixed bag. Again, I had West Ham mates who I was saying, I think it's good that you've gone down and it wasn't it's, a dig. I felt you were relying on, again, the, the same as we were last season, you were relying on, on lone players and yeah. the West Ham academy is legendary. And so if you can come down like and get a few of them academy through. players through... Like Noble earned his trade yeah. tra- down there and then Tompkins and all these youngsters now who are, are, are premier, sh- premier sort of league sort of yeah. standard. But they were... De- like, also, I've done quite a lot of stuff recently with Southampton. Yeah. And like what you realise there's Snyderlin who's gone to Man United for yeah. you know, all that money and everything. But he, he, he was there when they were in sort of Division 1 and yeah. Font who's for me one of the best centre-backs in the league and, learned, and it's a really important thing I well Southampton's um, a, a youth system is oh, more legendary than yeah, anyone now I mean lovely, they're, they're, I think they're the first one to kind of potentially take the crown from West Ham when there was yeah. that period of, of of Lampard and Ferdinand and everyone but people forget as well that if you look at Richardson, Southampton Ballard was there at some yeah, time yeah 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 there's, there's some there's some solid ones come through and when you talk to them as well like uh you know, I, was like, I spent a sort of couple of days down there filming this stupid viral thing for their new school, which was a lot of fun. But they, the way they I've watched them again, we're going to uh, talk about that. Oh, I yeah. very much enjoyed that. Um, but they, the way that Les Reed runs that club is that no one, everyone's replaceable. It's yeah. like now there's a kid, Matty Target, coming through, and like, you know, Luke Shaw sort of obviously left, and now they've got another, this other kit, and then, you know, Nathaniel Klein goes, they bring someone else through. Yeah. It's, it's a remarkable thing not to be reliant on big names. Yeah. You completely. Know, and, I mean, we, we're, we're having that trouble at the moment where we, we've, Andy Carroll's not fit, Valencia's out, and yeah. there's, no, there's no plan B for that. And yeah, that's, no. that's where you start, that's where the worry comes I mean, in. I think where you've slowed down potentially in the transfer market is there hasn't been anyone available that is guaranteed to get injured just after you sign them which is generally your tradition yeah, of, of who you dying. like to sign well, I mean, we, all fairness, we absolutely ruined the country we got brought I was a scaffolder when we were like we were, we were brought out I was, we were a lot of Chelsea fans <laughs> And then we get brought out this day and we signed Tevez and Mascarano. And I generally at that time got so caught up with the fact that we were actually going to win the league. Yeah. You know, because that's what West Ham fans do yeah. generally. We're like, yeah. if we win, we beat Arsenal first game of the season. Yeah. We're like, this is going to be the best season ever. Best yeah. season. Then we lose to Leicester, we're going down. So when we've signed Tevez and Mascarano, you're like, Carlton wow. Cole sh- a shoe in for England. <laughs> I've heard that loads of times. Yeah. I, I, he's someone I'm very fond of, Carlton yeah. Cole. He, sort of, he did that thing where Defoe left and a lot of people walked away and he yeah. stayed and he was quite honourable. I've got an issue with Carlton Cole because at that Millwall West Ham one where there were the riots, yeah. after he scored, he came and, and goaded the crowd. And my thing there is, I guarantee he'd had a load of stick. Yeah, yeah. But you're the professional there and yeah. this is something that it's not like another match where yeah. you, you'll give a bit back because like you will cause a riot here yeah. people will get hurt so I kind of had issue the for that because that annoyed he, me he but was, yeah he lit the powder keg yeah he yeah. really did and but again the West Ham fans probably loved that so I can't yeah. get that he's, he's kind of a folk hero now yeah um, but yeah I mean I, that's right so I mean it, I've done a couple of those football hooligans, not as big as Neil's ones, but a couple yeah. of those football hooligans that yeah. we can talk about at some point. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, we should just remind people that they haven't accidentally downloaded the Football Ramble, <laughs> um, which is a great podcast. I recommend that. Let's get a bit on to... Um, I want to start with um, your time on Saturday Night Live and your, your, and your death in 2012 <laughs> at the age of 59. It's crazy, I, that. I was, do, I was doing some research. It said... I, I was looking up Tom Davis. I said, "There's a few things I've seen you in, but yeah. b- b- I like to prepare for these things." And it said, "Comedian." I was like, 
There you go. And there was an American comedian called uh, I was never with, with the same name guy, as you. He's, he's, he's really <laughs> prolific. He's incredible. He was, he's a writer on Saturday yeah. Night Live. He's been amazing things he's as well. Amazing, yeah, it's sort of amazing films and stuff. But when he died, <laughs> my agent at the time got a like, sea of phone calls and like emails. And like, you know, I was just sort of probably, you know, on the start out really of my career. And people, yeah. well, have you got a comment about Tom's death? And then I'd been out the night before. <laughs> so I was like lying in bed and woke up with 18 missed calls from my agent. And she was like, uh, you all right? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, we've had all these emails about... And I think because the guy was obviously quite well known, but then it was like, you know... And then still to this day, there's a picture of me Brilliant. as him. as him. Like, So when you Google me, I, like, it, yeah. like I do that now and again. I'm still yeah, quite yeah, old and I just find it amazing I've got my name on Google. Yeah. And you, there's a picture of me with his... Died, uh, you know... Uh, a couple of years ago at 58. It's hilarious. But it's also bizarre, isn't it? People started putting his picture up for me. And my first things that I did for publicity, like, there was this picture of this 60-year-old man. Like, instead of I me, love which that. I was, yeah. When I had Simon Pegg on, he was saying that when they were doing um, Spaced um, and, and, and they wanted Nick Frost in it, but he had no previous career... They Googled and there was another actor called Nick Frost. So when the producers questioned it, they, they looked and went, oh, yeah, he's done the bill. He's done a few other bits. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And completely, that's, that's how they blagged him in. Just I love off. the fact that, that there is another Nick Frost somewhere yeah. who's just kicking himself going, oh, I can that. It just makes me annoyed I've chosen such a ridiculous name for myself because there's we're not going to be able to find an, another Scroobius Pip to blag me into more things. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to... I, I always think that maybe I just... I got sort of my first writing jobs because I had the literally... First things, I'd, I had writing jobs for sort of my guy on the show, the Walmart guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then maybe that was the thing. Oh, this guy's written on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You know, exactly. Was born in it. So what was your... I mean, you started kind of late, essentially, with your career. Yeah. So what was your kind of upbringing and growing up and was there always an ambition to get into this kind of thing or was it just... I think there was probably an underlying sort of, like... Um, ambition to do something. I was sort of I was brought up around uh, Sutton and Croydon. Yeah. Um, so South sort of, sort of what wants to be South London, but sort of is kind of Surrey. It's this yeah, weird yeah, sort of yeah, mixed yeah. area. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just all sort of you know from an early age was sort of always I was a scaffolder and always having a lark about on site. Um, but then I think I never really had. I never thought anything like this could really happen. I think yeah. you don't. I mean, you're from a similar background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And completely. You, you, you sort of. If you if you even go like oh yeah I might I might try out and go for Big Brother and try and be a Big Brother and someone goes you're an idiot Mickey Flanagan does a great yeah, bit about it right about the van like the kid we, you know we, the kids in this school aren't for driving vans we're the put people who put people in vans and that's what you're told I mean I remember being at school and a teacher bringing me and another kid up to the front of the class and saying uh, who do you think is going to do better out of life and everyone pointed at the other kid and I was dyslexic yeah. Yeah. that's some harsh schooling <laughs> was, right oh, there yeah. I went to it yeah it was an awful school everything's yeah. going to do better ah fuck you <laughs> <laughs> like you like. an Aston now um, but no it's, it's completely true I've had I always remember when I started to do alright I can't think what it was I was on but my brother was talking to a mate we went to school with and mentioned that I'm on a on front cover of Enemy or yeah. something on, on, or something like that and he just didn't believe him yeah. It wasn't even it, it wasn't even a question. It's like nah, nah, nah and, and people and nah. people love. I believe that that doesn't happen around here. Yeah, yeah, and people have become obsessed with the fact that you're lying about. It. Like when, like I was really yeah. fortunate. Like Lee Francis, who's yeah. Keith Lemon, and uh, was the first person really to sort of, you know, or the sort of first person sort of profile to show sort of faith in me. And so I'd sort of, you know, he's big from both selector and Keith Lemon was just sort of really launching. And I tell people that I've been at his house filming stuff, and people go, oh, "Shut up! No, you or, You're lying." Yeah. You, no, I'm not. And it's like, I think 
it's a really weird thing, isn't it? I think if you come from quite, a, you know, and I worked within a, you know, building sites and whatever, you, you're scared to fail. That's the, you know, yeah. when you read about, you know, and you start sort of looking into any great books or a football or anyone. The main thing is never being scared of that. And I think yeah. now I, I'm really I, I do things, I take risks in career choices. But I think for for years I probably could have at 23, 24 gone. Oh, actually, I might try stand up. But the thought of yeah. that being the joke for years of people going, oh God, remember when you tried stand-up you stand up died. for Yeah. I mean, again, it's completely, particularly with stand-up and acting, they're known as the industries that you've got to be have the toughest skin because, yeah. you know, it's known. I've, I've just started getting into acting now and I've been really, really lucky with the bits I've got. Brett Goldstein. We had some great fun on the Corner Boys man. things. They were, like, genuinely, I remember phoning Brett and going, these are... But Brett's amazing as well. Incredible. We're going to have him on the sh- on the sh- sh- show soon because his film Super Bowl yeah. um, has got a release date now of October sixteenth, like and it's a remarkable, talent. stunning. Yeah, and one of the nicest guys I've, I've done gigs with Brett. We sort of probably started out about the same sort of time. Yeah, and he's just an absolute like a, he'll go as far as he wants to go. He's a, a great. It talent. kills me that he can be. There's there's him and there's a guy called Robble and that are two guys that it kills me because there's so few people who can pull off comedy that isn't dark or cynical or miserable yeah. and it still be hilarious and engaging yeah. and not kind of feel saccharine but both of them generally have really nice shows yeah. and are really nice guys and when and when I write scripts and acts yeah. and all that he plays nice people and it's acceptable we hung out a lot when we did we just did a thing called Undercover and, yeah and we, we I mean like I say I've known him for a number of years and I just yeah I, I think and, and I'd massively you know sort of inspirational really for what he's done with Super Bob because he yeah. went out and did it and, and and I think that's the thing that so just had come, the idea come, and, and yeah, got and it and comes did, back did, to did what I'm John. talking about I think it's just like there's going to be a million people tell you that you can't do something and yeah. really in the end it just comes down to you going actually I want to try this yeah and uh, and if it and then not worrying because I think you know you could, as long as you put everything you've got into something to make it funny and make it good yeah. and, and you know you work as hard as you can o- over it it is going to it's going to be okay so I think I mean I was lucky as well when I was starting out with stand up was the first thing and, and you sort of had people like Brett and Catherine Ryan and, and Womesh and they were all sort yeah. of people who were sort of the guys who were around when I was sort of first first starting out. So, uh, so how was that? How was your kind of first... Uh, uh, when did you decide, you know, you're sitting on... Um, or you're, you're halfway up some some scaffolding and you go, I'll tell you what, this isn't scary enough. I want to go and try something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see something that can really make me I, I sort of, uncomfortable. I sort of tr- played around in my head for doing it for ages and then I'd sort of... I tried to do a course like to you know to, like two of the people that I would, I would sort of three actually Smi- Michael Smiley I remember yep. seeing years and years ago and, and just being like wow this just like uh, as a stand up Michael's just incredible as a yeah. storyteller yeah yeah, he's like for me the, the epitome of being able to read the phone book and making not just funny but insightful I was going to say exactly that like when I had him on the, on the podcast it was the first time we'd actually met we'd chatted a bit over online or whatever yeah. but the first time we'd actually met and he was just at one point I was like for the last few minutes, he's just been uh, listing uh, the names of people that stayed yeah. at the B&B he'd, he lived at, which I don't know any of them. Yeah. And I'm like, all oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like engaged. It's like you feel like but you know it all. I saw him and uh, and then Ricky Grover, who yeah. um, I'm a massive fan of. I think Ricky's just a remarkable, yeah, like, he's great. amazing guy. And then Mickey Flanagan and sort of, they were sort of, and they were all sort of talking about stuff that, you know, that I knew about and that sort of work, you know. 
So I sort of had signed up for this course and I did a couple of couple of them and it was really not for me. You know, yeah. they're sort of telling you not like, how to be funny and it sort of you kinda of know how to tell an anecdote if you come yeah. from South London. My granddad used to say if you've if you're from South London you've got a god given right to bullshit. Yeah. And you do you know how to tell a story. Completely. You know, so there's a, a a poet I'm I'm friends with called a polar bear who I think he's a great storyteller and writer and he me and him connected because neither of us were comfortable with, with the idea of anything we're doing being called poetry yeah. or anything like that but we happened to be at poetry gigs or so whatever but his thing was and my nan used to uh, tell stories like my nan and granddad all yeah. I'm doing is what they used to do tell stories around the dinner table and that was that but that's the thing and, and like you know you're, if you're on a scaffold site and you sort of work in yeah, each and every day with people who are, you know, builders and those guys are usually very funny. They can, you know, it's sort of everything. Everything's a story and everything's embellished. So yeah. it's kind of your grounding for stand-up. Yeah, Nothing's completely. going to be as terrifying really as the first day you work walk on a building site at sort of fifteen and, you know, they they're ripping you and and that's there's grown-ups and, and they're yeah, and they're mocking yeah. you and that's where you sort of you know. And so when you first go and do a middle-class sort of comedy night on a Thursday, yeah. You know, it's not that scary, you think people right? might not laugh, but no one's going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, I sort of, yeah, I sort of put together, sort of, when I looked, I, I looked back at it a while ago, and, and some of the stuff I'd written, and you know, it was it was really sort of base level stuff. But yeah. I think, I, so, I, I certainly when I was first starting out, I had a real chip on my shoulder about being working class, and, right? And, and 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 like not wanting to change the world, but I wanted people to hear about. You know, I got stabbed when I was younger. And yeah. I wanted to f- put a funny spin on the fact that I got stabbed and my dad was really embarrassed because the guy who stabbed me was so small. Uh, <laughs> and I come in and I was like, oh, you know, that, you know. So I wanted to I always, about that. <laughs> I always remember, assuming the one time I, I got, I kind of got mugged. I kind of got mugged, but it was a guy, it was in, I think it was actually in, no, it was in Tooting. It was in Tooting. And I'm walking along and I was looking at this guy on a bike and I was proper looking at him for some reason because he looked like a black version of my mate Tom. <laughs> and that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But then I realised I've just been staring at this dude as he comes up up the road yeah, on his yeah. bike. And he kind of... I then thought, right, I'll dart off. And again, my ignorance in the moment, I darted off and happened to dart down an alleyway. So, so he comes after me and he's like, asked me for some money for, for the phone or whatever. And I was like, oh, no, nah, no. Nah. It's like just... And he was kind of just saying like, me my, I didn't have much on me, so I, I, I pulled out of my pocket and I had like £3.27. And I was like, I need a quid for, for getting back <laughs> over the bridge. So I'll give you £2.27 or whatever. And I got, got mugged for that. And the bit that killed me was he didn't even bother getting off his bike. Yeah. And <laughs> One of the bits I used to do. It was that, like it was that, 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 that shame of I bottled it before he even bothered getting off his bike. But again, I was thinking for that amount of money, it's not worth arguing, so on and so forth. But yeah. But the first one of the first things I used shame. to do was that figure of like, a, like the, there was a kid who used to hang around sort of on the estate uh, that we used to knock about with when we were younger and he, and he sort of was called Spider, but he was, his sort of heart wasn't really in being a mugger. So he'd sort right. of do that thing of going, can I hold your watch? You know, fuck off. And then he'd just be like, all right. And it's sort of like, you can see him going <laughs> home going, I'm really going to get someone one day. <laughs> I'm really going to take something off. And so one of the first 
things I ever did was a, like about a, a mugger sort of who, whose heart wasn't really in it and every there's an excuse not to mug so, oh yeah, yeah it, it, she plays bingo with my nan you would be cold blooded to be a mugger yeah, yeah, and I've yeah, got yeah. like the charm in it I love it so it's that sort of world and yeah I'm a, but I'm a big wimp so when things come in like like, like that I, I still now when I get screwed out and I'm going through Croydon yeah, I yeah. still go oh god like, oh, what shit. have I got on the minute as well I'll just give in 327 um, is probably the amount that would be lovely just to carry always carry that around with you yeah. your mugging money <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> I've got a separate mug in pocket. <laughs> so much I've got. I was, I was proud of the fact I kept a quid to get back yeah, over the bridge cool. because I was driving home. I was like, tell you what, I need this. So You haggled with a mug. Haggled. You could have just told her to fuck off, yeah. but you were like... It's like, look, I'll help you out. Yeah, all right, mate. What I can do for you is £2.30. So how was it when you were first getting up on stage and... Uh, and, Ter- and terrifying. Stand-up? Like, even now, I, it's, I mean, I don't do as much stand-up as I used to, but still, like, I still love it. I mean, it's... But but terrifying. So the first, well, actually weird, was the Enterprise, which is getting sadly it's getting closed down. Right, which yeah. Is, uh, in Chalk Farm, was the first gig I did, and uh, but I think like the first two or three, there's a, it's a really weird it's thing. A proper of, little above a pub yeah, type type lovely, setup, really which nice. is great. Yeah, and it's sort of they went really well, and then and then you go through peaks and troughs of like, I think that first stuff you do it that's most raw, and just that adrenaline. Once you sort of get the hang of that. You then go through a sort of a bit of a spate of thinking, oh, maybe everything I say is going to be funny. Yeah, and you sort of you fall on your ass a bit, but yeah, confidence can be as damaging a thing as it yeah. can be a, a positive thing because you suddenly, but well, that was easy. And also, it's like the thing of, I think, uh, I, I certainly think for us, like when I when I first started doing sort of a bit better with it, and like it became my job that I, I stopped talking about the stuff that I necessarily wanted to talk about, mm. and I stopped going, oh yeah, you know, and. I sort of compromised, I suppose, material. And I stopped enjoying it as much. Yeah. Which is a really, like, because it, it became like, in your head, like, I think the first time that you ever, as you stand up on that stage, you actually make that jump from being like the, the, the scaffold and going, oh, I'm going to do that and do it. It's like, you've gone and done it. So you can't really fail in a sense. Yeah. You know, because even if people don't laugh, you've actually battled that You've feeling. actually got out there and done it. So but then once it becomes only, oh, actually, I might be all right at this. But, I still, I still feel for myself at times. Like, I don't sometimes know where, it all, like, some of the stuff comes from. So, yeah. like, as a stand-up, I, like, when I started making it more structured and writing stuff down, it would often die, it would, yeah. and it would die bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah but yeah. when I just go, oh, actually, I'm going to tell that story about going to get my hair cut. Yeah. And and tell it as as I remembered it without adding embellishing it yeah, as yeah, I yeah. do on a building site. It always went that little bit better. But when I was yeah. trying to find something funny to actually funny write a gag or, yeah. write a, or the, find something funny about scrambled eggs yeah <laughs> the guy I mentioned earlier a, a Rob Alton his Edinburgh show in um, what year was I up there in 2013 I think it was it was an absolutely amazing show about just how much he likes the sky and the yeah. whole show was about the sky and he had w- w- one joke in it and that joke happened to win like the sun joke of the fringe yeah, or whatever so or, or, or whatever it was who was sponsoring the joke of the fringe which meant it was printed in the sun and printed everywhere and I remember talking to him and him genuinely almost having a breakdown because he was like people are going to turn up expecting jokes yeah and that's yeah. not what I do I kind of I, I've got my thing and he's just talks through all these weird stories and some some spoken word in there and just tons of odd concept more kind of Andy Kaufman type stuff and he's like now I've had the one joke that's in my, or, or, or not only have I had the one joke um, in my show, kind of misrepresenting the show, but it's been ruined. Like people <laughs> yeah. know the punchline now. So yeah. it's like the one joke I've got 
they're not going to laugh at anyway because they know it. All people just have that sort of thing and they start turning up in t-shirts with the joke Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's, There's it's, that fear. But the people, for a long I think, assume that my, my stuff would be more more jokey and... and yeah. Uh, and it, but, you know, joke, I mean, weirdly, it's, I mean, like, things like... You don't think of as jokes, which is turns of phrases or yeah. whatever, can become those those jokes. But, yeah, I mean, it was... Yeah, I was massively fortunate, really, to... I got I did a six music show quite quickly, yeah. where sort of a producer had seen me and seen there was a guy called Nick Conrad who's right. quite amusing if you Google him because yeah. he's like a young Tory yeah. and he's very very posh. So what they decided was you know Russell Brand had just finished his show, so they had a midnight slot and they were like, what if we put this really common guy and this posh guy together? Brilliant. And but the, we just didn't get on and we just <laughs> he was and it, like and not in a funny way, just yeah, no, in a no, genuine, no, genuine way. He didn't really ch- want to be there and I, I for me it was everything I, yeah. and I literally gave up scout because. I'd read the Billy Connolly book, and like, there's a that I still carry around with me. That is the quote of when he was doing his folk music. I don't know if you've read the book. No. Uh, it's incredible, and he he walks up to an old guy uh, at the shipyards, and he's like, you know, thinking of next year going professional and doing all the festivals. And uh, the guy goes, "Oh, why don't you do it? You should do it this year. Why don't you just go for it?" And he's like, "You know, I think I'm going to get myself ready, and I'm going to wait." And the guy said, like, "No, you know, is." Do it now. If you wait, you're going to wait next year and yeah. wait another year and another year. There's nothing worse than being an old man sitting here wishing he could have done something else with yeah. his life. And the fact is, on all them things, you, you're never actually ready. No, no, no. That's, no, that's never, never going to happen. So if you think, oh, I'll get ready, and then next year, it's like, oh, no, I'm not ready. It's, no, you will never be, be ready. Even if you do it every year, yeah, you're not ready. Yeah, and it's that thing of, you you know, you have to make that leap. So so I got basically, I got a, the Six Music show, and it was I had Fridays. Well, I pre-recorded it and it got out on a Saturday, but I turned around and went, "I'm, I'm going di- to do this now." Yeah. So I took that as a jumping-off point. Yeah. Uh, and the show lasted for like three months, and then they canned it. So, but I couldn't go back to. I, I was like, "I'm in this now." Well, you'd taken that jump. So, and, uh, and again, it, you there must have been awareness that it was a jump in general, rather than specifically f- yeah, for yeah. that show, because quitting a, a, a week-long job for your Friday. Yeah. this is what I do now (laughs) once a week yeah (laughs) but I think those are people like certainly it's like the guys I work with were like uh, what are you going to do with your life now and I was like I've got this radio show well every day and one day a week and they'd be like I can't know you could still work serious (laughs) dough for that you know but I sort of yeah and it was it was a really I learned so much just through, through doing three months of me really working hard and pushing things but not necessarily the show was didn't didn't work, um, you know, primarily because I was playing stuff that was sort of up and coming music, six music, and I really sort of was like, you know, I love my yeah. music, and so I was sort of I've got quite an eclectic taste. And uh, but this Nick Conrad literally would turn up and he'd want we play Joan on the trade, would be a shot. I've got nothing, no problem with Joan on the trade, but every yeah. week you'd be like, oh, say, here Number we go one. again, here we go. But that, like, yeah, then so after three months they got rid of us but then then I started doing the, I did the festivals for, for um, doing selling t-shirts yeah I yeah, still yeah, saw yeah. that as working in the entertainment industry yeah completely oh, again the beauty there is you've you've taken what the important part of what the the radio sh- sh- show has done there from the sounds of it is it's made you take the safety net away yeah so it's like right now you're in this now you've and it, you're free falling you've got to that, make it work weird thing of then you go and do the festivals but then doing the festivals meant that you know I'd, I'd I'd have I could go and do like I do the summer 
and I'd earned decent money out of you know we had sort of three festivals and so you do stalls and, yeah. and, and sell t-shirts sell and whatnot t-shirts at festivals. And, and other bits and bobs and then like uh, poppers and whatever yeah like Glastonbury uh, funny hats but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, our biggest seller was generally a uh, I can swear on here can't I yeah yeah, yeah uh, it was a t-shirt that just said cunt yep and we, we did it at Tea in a Park one year Perfect. and it sold out within like four hours so that yeah. became our thing um, it's wonderful because it's it's a wonderful shirt conceptually because you don't know if it's a declaration against yourself yeah. or against whoever's reading it. Yeah. Are you labelling yourself and saying, "Look, I'm, I'm, I'm a cunt." <laughs> you want to keep keep yeah. keep give me a wide berth? And also, it's like we we, we <laughs> spent ages writing these funny slogans, and then we just wrote this one. It was that was just and you're like heartbreaking, right? And, and you'd always be a kid who'd come in like at Glastonbury with a free thinking mother. Yeah, and she go. Let's all get t-shirts with content. Again, I guarantee that was a great um, introduction into the world of stand-up. Because yeah. again, I guarantee it's exactly the same. The stuff you slave over, yeah, probably the stuff isn't going to work. The stuff you happen to just spurt out on the spot, exactly they'll go crazy that. for. And and it, so, but then that gave me a chance to sort of, you know, I'd, I'd be able to gig a few times in a week, and then I'd be able to, you know, and sort of then take the winter months to to, to gig. And and, yeah. and I lo- loved the festivals. I mean, I sort yeah. of like, you know. It, Getting to sort of moment seeing you guys and sort of saw a lot of great bands and yeah. things like you know you remember a lot more perfect now when Springsteen played Glastonbury yeah. was, I was on the top of a, a stall over at the Pyramid stage amazing and I remember just sitting up there just drinking and just watching Springsteen I've loved Springsteen since I, I love I remember. him he's again incredible. he's one that I've I'm, I don't know if I've mentioned that much on the podcast but I think he's so uh, the, despite how huge he is he's so underrated yeah. and under under credited over in, in in this country more than anything because as a songwriter and everyone always picks Nebraska and things like that but there's no, good but reason they're, they're, they're amazing they're incredible but songs but then there's, there's those like Johnny 99 and these, these sort of songs that yeah. there's stories and like, I remember like going on family I was obsessed with him and like we'd go on family holidays and we'd, we'd have Springsteen playing like we'd drive to Cornwall yeah. like and we'd have that playing yeah. the whole way there and the whole way back just one tape yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and you, that's, the, that's the beauty of like now I mean not Spotify and everything's great but in those days you'd literally have like that and a Neil Young tape yeah and you completely that, that would be your whole sort of and Springsteen's you know for me that I, I still look at him as maybe one of the biggest inspirations in anything I've ever written yeah. just to sit and to listen to him like you know when Dermot came on the show yeah. with Murder that's, we, me and him have got a massive thing about with, with Springsteen and um, he's just yeah for me it's sort of that was one of those moments I think only Glastonbury really can give you those moments I mean that's exactly it. you've got the storyteller element of it but then also Prince who's my favourite yeah. artist of all time he credits Springsteen as one of the best live performers yeah, and an oh, inspiration because Springsteen goes out and then puts on even at this age a full show yeah. running around doing it just absolutely amazing like you watched him and I mean like you know, I mean, like I say, when you do those festivals, you saw so many bands like I saw the Killers when, you know, the Killers were coming. Yeah, you know, and all the and you sort of saw like, you know, Jay Z when he when he did Glastonbury. Yeah. You, you sit and watch these guys, and you, but Springsteen, I think, because that was the first time I'd seen him. Like, I, you know, it was that weird thing of like I brought up on Springsteen, love Springsteen, but then you know, I got massively caught up with Oasis, and yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, that sort of you know, Ocean Colour scene, they became your sort of yeah. You know, uh, and I loved hip hop, and I, you know, so Springsteen became this sort of thing I held, you know, I still hold dear with my mum. Yeah. You know, we still quote Springsteen songs, yeah, still, you yeah. know. Um, but to see him there at Glastonbury, and then like, you know, and he, he, I think he did like an hour after his set, he, he just smashed it, and you're just like, that's, yeah. and to sit on the, you know, 
even like just be that close and to be working there with your own toilet at Glastonbury. Oh, you're, you're living. Damn, the dream. that's just yeah, that's completely unimaginable, right? <laughs> Having that extra bonus of your own clean area if you so <laughs> yeah. or cleanish. I'm not going to claim too much cleanness. Yeah. Um, so, at what point? Did you kind of of, of get in, into the writing side of it? Because that seems to be a lot of, um, or, or, or the norm, I guess, f- for comedians to want to be either acting or writing in TV and things like that. Well, so of, the Morgana show was 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 that the first no, thing? No, you were... no, the first. So so I sort of had, I did used to do character. So I'd, I'd do my stand up and I'd do I started doing character nights. Yeah, because I was a massive like you know like Paul Whitehouse. Yeah, massive fan of his and Lee Francis is both selector was massive. So I was a massive fan of that and. Um, a friend of mine who directed. Are you a fan of Limmy? Yeah, yeah. I think Fredo. Limmy's amazing. Oh, amazing. And his series, we were, he was going to come on the podcast and we just couldn't make it happen. So, regardless of that, I'll get him on at some point. But just anyone who's listening, go and buy a series oh, a, 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 one and two of the Limmy show because I watched them again recently, back to back. Like, smash both DVDs over the weekend. He's just genius. And it, it's stunning that that. In England, that wasn't like the fast show or anything yeah. else. It was, it, was, it was huge in Scotland, from what I know, but yeah. it was a BBC Scotland thing and just such good character stuff. Do, like, just character stuff to watch that, and, and that's that's the thing is watching how primitive almost it is and how it's it is not relying on sort of like I mean, that's the thing with someone like just how free free so much of it is and how exactly yeah. that the, the primitive element that unlike the way it had gone in the UK with Lee Francis and yeah. people like that who are great that they'd have so much in costume and all yeah. different things 90% of the time it's just Limmy yeah, and, with and, a slightly different haircut or standing yeah. in a car park and rather it, than in a field and I mean that's the thing with it it's I mean, brilliant it's, and it's gone full circle in a sense now because YouTube with what YouTube is yeah. that's almost like so So the guy, the, the guy who directed Murder and Successful is a friend of mine that I've known we've known each other since we were about 15 James yeah. Lafond who also directed Morgana Show but he yeah. was working uh, as a sort of he just turned a producer he's working for a sort of talk back who were making Bo Selector but he wanted to direct and I I was like you know I want to you know, do more comedy stuff and I want to do characters so we went out together and we sort of shot about two or three characters I think some of them are still on YouTube and yeah. and we just gave them to Lee and Lee was really into it yeah. um, so the first so then he, he got me just to come in with him and we hijacked the Big Brother house do you remember when they did the celebrity hijack yeah 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 so yeah, he, yeah. I went in as like a 14 year old boy brilliant and uh, <laughs> but as my size and uh, my look and we went in and, and we did that and uh, and then I did a thing where I played John Landis in right. Shimon Selector yeah. and we just improvised this little sketch and, and that just sort of really weirdly just that tiny little thing opened this door into to acting really yeah uh, and I'd never it was not you know I sort of was doing that I was doing the stand up I was doing the stalls I was sort of you know and I, you know and, and really uh, up until murder I, I suppose I, I always thought that even if I had to go back to scaffolding that I'd done something I'd been on TV you know, yeah sure I still sort of hold that really dear I know now that it's not as cool as it was and but to do something for me I was like that wow one of my massive heroes and I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for Lee Francis he's, he's you know he took a punt on me and I remember the yeah. people going who's this this guy and he, did, he still does you know so I sort of um, so yeah and that opened this world and Shane Allen at BBC was then like look you know we'll give you a comedy lab so I did a thing called Warm Up Guy which yeah. was about um, I'd sort of been doing a bit of warm up then as a stand up and, and Morgana show and it was sort of and, and then yeah it was, it was all of a sudden you know, I, I, the stand-up thing was I was doing less and less, and and I was sort of a, sort of falling into being a character actor. Yeah, and yeah. really, the voices that you do on the site and the impressions that you were doing—I'm not an impressionist, but you'd be doing, 
you know, the northern guy at work who, who, who was tight with his money at the bar or whatever became the characters that you were doing in the show. Yeah. And that, that, that I suppose, the normality of 20 years of, you know, doing jobs around the world and doing different things and, and had given me enough base to go, oh, actually, I'm basis person on this. And this yeah, and this. that's and great. You know, and it was, yeah. It, I always remember, I can't, I think it was an early, it was like, Galifianakis stand up and he'd just do impressions of people but they weren't people anyone else knows yeah, and they weren't yeah. famous people and it was just genius because it's like and again it's a similar thing with uh, and not to keep going back to Limmy but at points on his vines he'd just do he'd, he'd say the same thing in an increasingly strong Scottish accent yeah. and I'd be in tears because it's just like, it's not even an impression of anyone but what I find amazing with him is that he's evolved like that thing of you know the DVDs of Scott, you know, yeah. and now on Vine and stuff I mean if you're in the know he, he's incredible and yeah. he's managed to move at the time and still make Vines that are hilariously funny yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that I mean that's coming to us all where we're going to have to to work on doing different to work things every angle yeah yeah because yeah, you, you know it's, it's not what it was years ago where you could just do one show a year and then you do your tour yeah. and you earn millions of pounds yeah. out of it and it's you need everything it to, the to music push that. industry and it's happening to us now yeah exactly well I mean we've mentioned it a couple of times but the how we came in contact yeah. was Murder in Success Field yeah. which um, I think the first c- couple of episodes had been on and a mate of mine Bill who DJs at my club night we were dr- 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 driving home and he was talking about it and my brother had watched it and my brother was around the next night to watch the UFC and that's on late at night so we have to watch things before and he was like I'll sing them on Um, and the first one just I don't think I've laughed as much at anything I can't think of anything I've laughed at as much in recent years Um, 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 and my girlfriend was there often laughing as much at how much I was just in tears over it and yeah I then tweeted about it and said it's no, it's a lot, must lot, see but I've weirdly been a fan of yours for, for, for a long time so again that was lovely to hear it's kind of just but, you forget that kind of thing that people yeah, yeah, yeah. in the arts are into the yeah. arts so it's kind it's of a nice thing when yeah, it's, 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 it's the thing I'm most proud of, of you know, and it's because it's the first lead for time. people who haven't watched it um, it's largely improvised um, and it's it's a a murder mystery um, and there's you as the chief detective every other character in it is doing an impression of someone else so the like the chief of police is Gordon Ramsay except obviously it's not Gordon Ramsay Um, and then there's one person in each episode who is the guest who doesn't have any script or doesn't I know anything. So, so who was the first guy from Maiden? Yeah, 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 that's it. He was incredible. He was absolutely amazing. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> it, it, as you've tried to explain it there, like we were three years developing that. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it was so hard to go into a room and uh, and pitch it. And, yeah, I, mean, I can to, imagine. To, to give the BBC its due, and it, it takes a bit of a kick in, and, but to, to take a risk on something like that, with, yeah. you know, so I, I really like, you know, I was sort of up and coming, I've done some stuff, but they really, you know, and they, they were so supportive of it, and, yeah. you know, we grew it. Uh, you know, we, we we wrote scripts, we did workshops, we, we shot a teaser, we shot a pilot, and we really, so by the time we got made the series, we all knew what it was, but, but you know, from, from like Zai Bennett and, and people who really, Ed Sleeman now, and even Danny, you know, Danny Cohen, they, as a BBC, and like, they really, really like pushed that, you know? And, yeah. And, you know, and again, a hugely risky one, but, but yeah, yeah, a, a big, a, because on paper, it sounds ridiculous. And, and, and it sounds, it sounds like it could be bad, it could be great, I you know, it sounds everyone, so hit and miss. And maybe even including myself, like, you, 
I guess it's going back to what I was saying is that thing of like for me it was the first lead in it that yeah. I had and it was the first programme that I'd sort of been involved with for such a long time where, where we had a series and I'd worked so hard on it it couldn't fail I was like you know this has to work so you know, I was working sort of 16 hour days writing it rehearsing it doing everything I could you know with, with an amazing team of like James DeFondo I mentioned yeah. and uh, um, like Andy Brereton people at Tiger Aspect and like you know I think you know the people like Carrie Adam people who came in who were amazing yeah. all of us sort of started going actually this is so different and it's so much it felt a world away from some of the stuff that you'd seen improvised on TV yeah. before because we had a sort of storyline and we had something to do I mean that's what I made it great is 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 you guys clearly had some level of script and some yeah guarantee of humour in there and yeah. then there's a lot that's just open to improvise and, and mess about with we had like a script where because you, you never knew how how anyone would get on when they came in. If, if we, we sort of always had a fallback for if someone came in and they just didn't want to do it. And well, they one of the things that, that I had when I was discussing it, like again, I started, I recommended it to everyone so as we'd discuss it each week as it was on. And Deborah Meaden's one, I thought the only criticism really had was she was too good at it. Yeah, she, you know what I mean? She, she was so on point and sharp that it was like, this is now just like watching... A, a scripted you know it was almost I like watching a scripted show whereas the beauty of other episodes had been when they'd lost it or when they'd but just not know what to say she, she literally had like like we got Deborah the night before we did the show because someone else pulled out which is a blessing because for me it was it was like for me it was going head to head with someone like Deborah Mead, who who's now a dear friend actually yeah yeah brilliant I'd never met before and turned up and and, on the, and I was terrified I was like geez this one could this is where it could backfire and yeah. we just done Jamie's done Greg had gone well and Kimberly had gone great and so, Greg was great actually oh, again handled it well but it oh, was hilarious such a boy so when Deborah was coming in we were all like this is, could be where the wheels fall off but she was and she was so so up for it and and but like I mean you sort of saw the half of it in the end because like yeah. she was genuinely grilling people yeah, yeah. You know, like the Boris Johnson scene with Merrick she was like um, I think I think he might be a paedophile I was like we're not here <laughs> we're not here to look for paedophiles <laughs> like, it was just like brilliant and she was she took it so seriously but then so the scene in the bed was like one of the last things we shot because we had nothing yeah with her corpse in. Yeah. And it, so I had all these ideas. It comes back need exactly to make her... the cunt t-shirts, and she is that we sat there going, "Fucking hell!" And then something creaked, and it was the fart thing, which was yeah. you know a, I love a fart joke, and um, and then that's again she, she went. smashed it. She smashed it yeah. though on the, on the accepting it. Comebacks, and, yep. yeah, and that was me. I mean, it's you know it's a, it's a treat to make, and it's you know and you sort of yeah, and what what we were so fortunate to have is a real mixed bag of people that came into yeah. it. Like you know, and and sort of watch them sort of uh, grow and uh, uh, at risk of overhyping it now to anyone who's who's not seen it. It felt like that first time you saw the Mighty Boosh and oh, stuff like that, where it's yeah. just so it's it's so potentially on the verge of being of going awful. Yeah, potentially the verge yeah. of being this is unwatchable to then being wow, that was the best thing I've I, seen. So I think it was that thing of as well. <laughs> I, the most the tweet I got most was how did you not laugh. Yeah, and I was always terrified if I laughed that everything would fall apart. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't really until, and that genuinely was a lot that episode with Louis Smith where I really went. Yeah, but that, apart from that, it was that thing of like, and also it ruins it. I think it's nice when when everyone else is going yeah, and, and you're like, holding it down. The bit with Jamie and the pigeon was was for me one of oh. the like. That's the other thing that you realise as well of it is that anyone could, everyone can be fun, like can be funny with something that like that's such a surreal piece of. Like when I watch it back, I think we'd never have written that. Yeah. Yeah, about a pigeon and stuff. It's such a silly thing yeah. to have. Yeah. 
but but somehow worked and like and that's, that's and again the it. weird part is there's there's few things more enjoyable than watching people also f- finding something f- funny yeah. or breaking down and it's, it's I, I genuinely think I mean the godfather of podcasts is the Gervais and Merchant yeah, yeah. and Pilkington ones and half of that was just them being in tears at stuff that Pilkington had said but it goes back to Eric Morecambe yeah. it goes back to that yeah. thing of like people like when we first talked about murder like I had a show I had a show that I wanted to do and it was called Big Tom Shitcom and I was going to take it to Edinburgh and I was going to do it at South Theatre and yeah. I'd still love to do it but it was just getting people from the audience and literally like creating a sitcom yeah yeah, like a sort yeah. of like so we sort of like me and Andy Brereton had played around with that as an idea and the main thing was just that thing of me trying to hold it straight like this is the biggest thing like I've got people from like channels coming in and yeah. I want to get this sitcom but none yeah. of the actors have turned up and uh and the main thing is that Eric Morgan thing it's as simple as just going to someone you know what are you doing like just pull it down and all that sort of thing and yeah. getting the laughs from saying like that yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, where yeah. murder and then murder just yeah sort of I, I loved it oh, oh, what's kind of ahead for it oh, with all the the changes in, in is BBC3 um, confirmed it's going digital now yeah it's going online so that's going um, online as far as I'm and how do you feel about that because that was one of the things I heard and there were campaigns to save it but for me, I felt it was one of the first steps I've seen of the BBC looking ahead. Because yeah. I think I think going online isn't a bad thing now. No, I think the no. way Netflix and everything else is now, it's like, that doesn't, to me, feel them. like it's a, oh, it's all over. It no. feels like, a, right, this is, I this think is where when, we're going. When you talk to them, and obviously, yeah, we're, we're sort of, I mean, touch with it, you know, I don't, you know, it, it's going to happen. I mean, they like it, and we like it, and yeah. people have liked it, and, you know, we've had great reviews, and, and so... But but for me, it's, it's that it's the future, and like if it does happen or whatever happens, you know, it gets shown online, and then it gets shown on BBC One or BBC Two. So yeah. you're going to get infinitely lot more people who are going to watch it on those sort of yeah. main channels. I, I think the fact of the fact for me is, you know, BBC Three before that, even before that, you know, I'd done scripts that hadn't been made, I'd, I'd done sketch shows, I'd done whatever on BBC Three, and I'd done a lot of stuff, and yeah. uh, and had a massive you know, lifeline thrown to me really by them. So. Yeah. But is it evolution? Is always going to happen? And it's you know, it's, you know, if if we imagine if like when TV came in, everyone on radio going, oh Jesus, what are we going to do now? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Things evolve. Things are yeah. always going to do that. I and agree I think more. I think the fact is, I think we just you you either completely embrace it, or or you sit there and you, you're terrified of it. And, yeah. and again, it's Limmy. Like you know, you, the modern era is 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 changing. Like. Like, you have to be able to diversify. You have to be able to do two or three different things. You, you know, it's not enough just for me. Like, you know, like yourself. You know, you're you're a musician. You're you're doing yes. this. You're going to be an actor. You're doing yeah, acting, yeah, yeah. which you, you you're, you're doing great stuff. So, but you have to. You like like Again, people. The people who thought that like, me and you would move out of the flats we lived in and, yeah. and now be millionaires because yeah. we've been on TV once or twice and had an out. That's gone. I yeah. mean, you get an awful lot of of that still. There will be people who assume that you're you're making oh, yeah, millions yeah. and millions. Oh, I have it all the time. I've heard that yeah. even my the the guy was um, our, our sound man and tour driver, even though he was seeing how every tour I've ever done to this day has been in, tr- in travel lodges yeah, yeah. he was still convinced that I've got millions in the bank yeah, so yeah. <laughs> no I wouldn't be staying I wouldn't I would be sharing a, tra- a travel lodge with you if we were making yeah. <laughs> millions at this point but I mean speaking of of doing a loads I mean I feel at the moment you're everywhere and in everything I've really enjoyed um, Undercover as you mentioned oh, yeah, I thought Brett was great in that it was hilarious seeing Brett 
playing a tough guy yeah. and playing a sexy guy in bed. Yeah. All these things I found hilarious. Just having spent a lot of time he with him, it was sniggering. But man. yeah, he is. He is. He's he's got those that that smouldering look. But so how are are things like that? Being in that instance of a job in a comedy actor, is it a great time for it? Because it feels like there's a lot of different places now with yeah. Dave doing their own things with obviously the BBC, ITV, everyone else. And it's, if I'm on it, like I think it, the main thing is, again, it comes back to enjoy it and doing different stuff and throwing your hat in the ring. So I've done a pilot, you know, that what happened with it with Joanna Lumley, which yeah. which we've done as, with us as flatmates, which is like a live studio thing, which was a Brilliant. lot of fun. Um, and I've just sort of done a bit on Ben Wheatley's film and yeah. you know, a bit little bit on bad education so and Ben Wheatley's just am- amazing just, just just a remarkable like that felt like being called up into the Premier League in some yeah, ways because he's yeah. just and, and what was incredible is that yeah he had, he's, he's got this film and Free Fire which is just a brilliant plot and it's a brilliant shot brilliantly and from what I've seen of it it's incredible and, but he has to you know we were shooting in Brighton in this sort of car park and it was these sort of big A-list stars, really, and but everyone just got together, and it was. And I think every every set you ever go on is an extension of what who the director and the production company yeah. are really, and and everyone is such a feeling of togetherness, you know. That still now yeah. you sort of keep in contact with the people from that completely. And 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 do you feel that's key? Because I've found again the tiny tiny bit of experience I've had in acting. I've everyone always says it's about who you know, and I'm terrible. I don't socialise much. I'm not good at, g- at going to the right parties and hanging out. No, but I learned quite quickly that. I'm good at that on Twitter, and it turns out I'm decent at that on set because I made good yeah. friends with with um, Neil Neil Maskell and Charlie Hunnam and all these yeah. other people. Who then it starts to then hopefully lead to other things. And like as a fan of as said Undercover, um, and I can't think of his his name, the short guy in that who plays the, the nephew. Yeah, he, do, he's um, also in Plebs. So yeah, yeah, I do that, plebs him, yeah. And that's it. I was then watching Plebs, yeah. and you're in that, and thinking. Yeah. You see, all of this kind of everyone seems to tie together, and it is a weird thing. I, I think it's that thing of like, for for me, like Neil said, when we did a Morgana show together, and Neil was in that for a bit, and and we was just we just started living together, and Neil said, I can never believe how you reduce every like set you're on or everywhere you are, it just becomes a building site. Yeah, it's that's just brilliant. And you know, like on a bad education set, there was a lot of that, and um, so. I, I, I never think of networking as a, as a thing that I don't go to sort of the, the private members clubs yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if that's where the drinks end up I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like I was very blessed really to like Neil I owe a massive debt to because yeah. as an actor as I you everything I lived right. with Neil for I a while that's, for a while and, yeah. and how and did that, that come about like how did you first we met on we met on a cartoon uh, called Blazing Lionel which right. James had written yeah and we just hit it off and, and then he was sort of I'd just split up with a girl and he he sort of like he was moving out, so we we got a flat together in Bermondsey, and, and I learned more about being an actor and how to carry myself as an actor yeah. on set and from Neil Maskell than I ever would have at any acting school. Like yeah. I, I watched films and I watched things that I'd never have watched. I, you know, I was literally like I've seen Rambo, Rocky, and most of my school safeties. Yeah. But you know, Neil all of, all of a sudden I was you know watching John Cassavetes and uh, is it John Cassavetes? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and I was watching all these films that you know. That I'd never have seen, and but also you know, 
if I was going for an audition, he'd give me advice. And, he, and uh, when I turned up for the podcast, he gave, he gave or no, at the end of the podcast, he gave me a book that's um, I can't think of the author now, but it's um, everything you need to know about acting that you wouldn't be told. Yeah. In in an acting school, and just just reading f- through that, it was instantly it was exactly that of like right, that's yeah. just and that's I had that all the lessons that you learn. Yeah. Then I was very blessed that sort of we had so as a group of friends we had sort of Neil and then Peter Ferdinando. Yeah. Who's who's a, remarkable actor and Martin Compton and yep. Warren Brown and Gerard Johnson so we were all sort of a tiny little sort of group yeah. really Kieran Hawkes is a remark- brilliant director I keep saying remarkable <laughs> new word I've learned um, uh, but so so I learned quite a lot from from those guys really about so but that also gave me a thirst to want to do drama and yeah. want to do something a bit different yes and I, so not just doing comedy and not yeah. just going and it, but also yeah, like yeah. weirdly I watched a lot of Sort of like I say, Cassavetes and, and uh, Peter Falk, old Peter Falk stuff with Neil, yeah, and these old sort of French movie, and that's where sleep really stuff for yeah. murder. I'm Neil was like the noirist element to it, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'd watch some stuff with Neil, and then when we were first developing it, and at first it was more bright and it was more like, hey, hey, it's an entertainment show, and I'd watch stuff with Maskell, and I was like, oh, you know what, like if we lend this, so it looks like it's this sort of 1980s sort of. Green That's what's world. great about it. it. Had that darkness. Yeah. Had, a, I guess, a bit of um, of, of Garth Marenghi's yeah, dark yeah, place. Kind yeah. of that vibe about it. That just yeah. the moodiness and 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 and, and sleaziness of you, it. The, you know, and, and Neil more than anyone will tell you that I'm partial to a cock or a fanny joke. Yeah, but there you it go. Gives you, if it gives you license. If it looks like James did an amazing job, it looks incredible. Then if you are you talking about someone this. fighting and following through, yeah, you kind of get away with it. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely. Perfect. Um, Plebs is another one I, I wanted to get into a little bit. Um, a big f- a fan of Tom Rosenthal. Yeah, I think he's just great. And uh, again, yeah. in Plebs, Plebs is another one similar to, again, successful and undercover and a few. It feels like it's gone under the radar a bit, but it's really it's really solid. I've only started watching it recently and I was a fan of a Friday Night Dinner yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a few different people have crossed over in that and yeah we've just it's done great a few for the, the third series and yeah. um, I was a massive fan of the first series and I think Sam Leifer and Tom Basden are just incredible writers and you know they just they, they sort of nailed that world and then so I, they got me in for series two and series yeah. three so it's, you know it's a lovely little part and it's you shoot in Bulgaria but Tom Rosenthal is um, we were um like he's one of those people that you sort of when you watch the show you he's incredible but when you're actually on set yeah it, like I caught so much of him even for the read throughs he's just yeah. on point the whole time he's almost like I guess I'm a mate like I always put things down to football and uh He'd almost be the first time he took his team sheet because he's almost like Peter Smart. You know he's not yeah. going to let you down. Yeah, you know he's just going to be. He's just always going to ace it. Well, I know, became a fan of him just uh, when he was a guest on Soccer AM because yeah. I'd never heard of him. And generally on those shows, you're waiting for the person you're familiar with. Yeah. And I was just in tears at everything he was saying, and he was just always on point in that yeah, way. And yeah. I've since seen his like his stand-up show and things like that. And yeah, and he's like, but he's like that. Fantastic. He's like, yeah, he's like that. He's just, he's just sort of almost like thoughtless and and to play that part is almost the hardest thing to do because he's sort of at the centre of everything and it you could easily fall into the trap of making that a straight man but what he does he, he's he's got moments in his third series which like I say the writing on plebs when you read the scripts yeah. are incredible and when you when you're in the read throughs but when you when when you sort of just picture Tom in scenes yeah. things he's not even saying anything 
you just get a massive laugh. And, and Ryan Bones. is phenomenal. And, and Joel Fry is. Yeah. I think Joel Fry is a brilliant, brilliant actor, but he's also um, he's great as a comedy actor. And then, yeah. you know, I'm lucky Carl Theobald, who's, who's great. In it. It's, I mean, it's a lovely yeah. thing to be involved in. So, you know, I get to spend two months out in Bulgaria, yeah. which is great for writing. And That's and, not bad at all, is it? No, so, no. I mean, we keep going back to murder but obviously that being the first lead um, you've done a lot of kind of smaller bits and there's there's one role that again I'd noticed and on checking again I kind of reconfirmed it's a tiny tiny role but any 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 involvement with the mighty Alan Partridge cannot be just ignored or or forgotten so it was when his book had come out and they did the special of of, was it the yeah his books I can't remember what they they did a, a, a few they did the story of my life and yeah, a few different things. Then they had one that was him being interviewed about his book and you well, Robert Popper. Yeah, who yeah, wrote, yeah. Um who wrote uh, Friday Night Dinner. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's that was the um the, the nature of our the acting I think and, and probably everything is is that I sort of had done the Morgana show and I was talking to you before we started about yeah. I was really like I I came in and I like when I first started acting I was really lucky. I picked up jobs and, and I went through a bit of a time where I couldn't. I couldn't get anything. I was yeah. auditioning all the time, and I'd audition. People would go, "Oh, he's really funny, but he's not right." And I couldn't work out why. And and I, I, you know, if I, then I did a single warm-up guy, and we were it was going to go. It looked like it would get a series, and it didn't. And I had no fallback for that. Yeah. I just thought you wrote a pilot, you got a series, and you're a millionaire. And that's that. Yeah, and that's all Easy. I knew. And I was living with Neil at the time, and I, I sort of. Um, if I'm on it, yeah, I got really down. It's because it's for the first time in my life I had no structure. I yeah. like I'd left school. I'd become a like scaffold. I'd done that. I'd been at this. I'd, so, but I always had like, even if that that was what I was going to do. But for, for the first time, I was I was I was an actor and I was doing the old gig. I'd sort of not done as much stand up as as I had been, and I was a bit lost really. And um, I remember Neil sort of and Michael Smiley phoning up and saying, "Don't give up," you know. This yeah. is, you know, and really like sound sound advice. And Neil being. You know, like more than a friend. You know, he yeah. was he was like everything you could. You know, just a rock solid bloke. You know, um, and then I got a call from 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 Baby Cow saying, "Look, you know, we've been doing this from Alan Partridge, and Steve's a big fan of you." And like it was incredible, and it was like yeah, it was a just tiny hearing those thing. words is yeah, enough, isn't it? So we went in, and um, he was like, "Oh, I've been watching all your stuff. I'm, you know, it's very funny." And, and then we just we and we improvised some stuff, and and the first time we did that. Uh, I did a bit more of a longer take, and he at the end of it, he stared at me, and he just corpsed. And I wanted to just, yeah, <laughs> I'm a massive Seinfeld fan, and I wanted to do that George Costanza thing of clapping and going, right, I'm out now. Yeah, it's yeah. all downhill from here. Yeah. But, um, and then weirdly, it's just that tiny little thing. And then the phone, the phone started ringing again, and people were like, oh, you know, because it wasn't being a Cockney white boy; it was something, something yeah. a bit different. And, yeah. and it really turned the, and it was the best thing. It's that ever. stamp of approval as well, right? Yeah. yeah that you kind of get in that, right? Okay. And it's it's amazing. It's accepted. Know, I still and and I think because I had that time where you, things weren't coming off. Like yesterday, I shot a viral thing with Jimmy Bullard for uh, for uh, like for this sort of like these young lads at a, a website. But I had an amazing day, and I think if yeah. that, that's the thing to do is. Just always in, like from from whether you're doing a Ben Wheatley film where you're shooting a viral thing for some young kids who are just kind of is enjoy just it. trying to do, do and, stuff that's enjoyable. Yeah, and, and and just but even if like even if the script's not the greatest script, you can make it funny. For me, yeah, yeah. I, I did a thing that would never work. You never got released, but me and Lee Mack and Catherine Tate tried to they tried to redo. Everyone loves Raymond, right? And Lee Mack was Raymond, and Catherine Tate was wow. the wife, and I was the brother. Yeah, and um, 
and like that it never got taken on as a series but and I've never been told why I've never even seen it um, yeah. uh, but I've, to work with Lee and Catherine and Catherine's from, like she got me the part essentially yeah. but Lee Mack was just like a force of nature of like you can't blame a joke you've got to sell every joke so there's jokes right. in Murder yeah, and Successful yeah, really at times good. or things that I say in Murder and Successful yeah. that aren't necessarily the funniest thing if I but it's just completely owning that and that, you've got to find the way to, to, to make it so those tiny little things in, in things and there's as long as you watch and you learn like what better teacher than Neil Maskell for, to learn about improvisation or yeah. to be real in something and be in that moment or for comedy what better person than Lee Francis to make something genuinely hilarious and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and then you know lucky you pick up bits from working tiny little things with Coogan and what just just even when I was like meant to be in my dressing room I'd sit and watch how he Steve Coogan would be and and yeah. he'd just done Moonboy and I was talking to him I was like oh Moonboy's like amazing that character you do and he just you know, and I'm from Mayo and he's from Mayo our families are both from the right. same tiny area and uh, he was like oh I've been wanting to do that character for ages and he was so so infectious and so up for it and you're like wow you're Steve Coogan and, like, you, and you're yeah, still you so still in this you still care that much you're still yeah that's, that's, the, that's where you start learning and that's the thing for, for, for me is it's still you know Smiley when I was doing Free Fire and just watching Smiley and, and think like when I first saw Smiley in Down Terrace yeah. I knew Smiley as a stand up and I yeah. watched him in that and thought I'll never be that good like yeah. he's remarkable in that film well that's the exciting thing and it's what again it may not be the perfect thing but it sounds like it's a similar way that you've gone it's what I'm trying to do now of getting my my foot in any door I can and then just learning as much as possible from yeah, but like, from amazing exciting people just to stand there and watch and witness this and go wow look at because I was a, I was a big fan of you yeah but I was a massive fan of you and Dan like, oh, your, your stuff and then when I knew Brett and then when Brett did the corner stuff with yeah you, the corner boys like, it was great fun and he's like you were great in that and the, the, they were so well written they were so yeah. well shot and because I, I remember saying to Brett I, uh, Brett I'd done a thing called Sunshine yeah. which is about uh, low level gangsters with it and it was a Sky, right. Sky 1 like 10 minute short yeah and I was like God, like Scrooge Pip's incredible in that thing, and and, and saying to him, we, we should get all get together and try and do something that's set around that yeah, yeah, yeah. low level. Because I grew up with those people. Yeah, yeah. And what's exactly. great watching that was was it was just, and that's what you know. I don't know how much that was improvised, how much was written, but it was a, a, a decent amount of improvised. It was was great because the first episode, Brett just wrote the script, and then we improvised a load, yeah. and that gave me the confidence to then, I'd email him over some little bits I've written, and yeah. then we'd. we'd we'd go back and forth on that but on the second episode I had that exact thing of there was just a I just couldn't stop corpsing on this particular yeah. a, a line and I don't think it even made it into any of the edits so we obviously didn't get a good enough one but again that thing of, of just having a good day yeah. that was one of the best days I've ever had because we couldn't I just literally couldn't say one particular bit and it was just it's tears the, I still now that's my favourite thing corpsing yeah like, that's why I love what murder was because I did this in Walmart guy Neil Maskell was in he was a, he was good enough to do it and it was a comedy part for him he hadn't done a lot of comedy he mm. came in and he did this he basically played like my character was out of work so I was going to the job centre and I was sitting in the job centre like he was an agent yeah, yeah. so Neil played the guy in the job centre and uh, but when he shot the first teaser of it like Neil was Neil played him I mean Neil was brilliant and Neil was so, so professional he went and did his research about the job centre and how people are and, yeah. but he did this we did this thing of me and we improvised this stuff and uh, I wish I had said the tapes but it was like me being like oh man I'm busting my quiche out there and he was just <laughs> like he just like, like and it, I think 
it took 28 takes to get this Brilliant. bit yeah. in. And Neil was like, you never, you're just so you know, you can't do that on any other show. Yeah. It's just not the dumb thing. Like, yeah. you know, you can't fall apart. Yeah. And uh, I think he was getting quite a rave by the end of it. He was yeah. like, fucking, I wish we'd done a pub. Yeah. Um, but, but you sort of, that thing's still to me. I still, like when we do the, the we, I did a sketch show with Lee for the kid films, and we did the Kardashians, the big yeah. Gypsy Kardashians, <laughs> which is still one of my favourite things in the world. And I love, and we're doing it again next month, but we just laugh for that. To the point yeah. where his mum, who plays uh, Kim Kardashian's mum in the sketch, yeah. Neil's, uh, Lee's real, Neil, Lee's real mum, literally was like, "I'm going to wear my set." And but it is just so arcanic and the laughter and like you say, I, yeah. I, I still think, "Wow, this is this is my job." This I'm, is great I'm, fun. I'm essentially messing around with mates. And uh, uh, how did the Southampton stuff uh, come about? That just. Just through the, the directors, of- because as, as, as soon as I mentioned, um, I tweeted about murder and success films. Some people s- sent me links to yeah. this, the the viral <laughs> stuff of you as a as a coach yeah. um, going down to get to, to train up Southampton and get him in gear. And it was it was it was hilarious, but also it instantly made me think that's genius. Why hasn't it, it's weird who came up with that? And why you know that I've makes perfect sense. A couple of guys who, and it was just an advertising thing for the, their new kit, but. I'm a massive, massive football fan. Like, yeah. Genuinely, like, yeah. I did a thing a few years ago with Robbie Savage yeah. where um, we did, like, the best premiership moments and it was, like, the most fun. And uh, So, yeah, that, that sort of, this guy, they phoned and they were, like, they were doing this thing and so we went down and I hung out with their players and we, we, we shot the videos and then they were like, look, um, I had such a laugh down there and I got on so well with, I just really loved being in a football club yeah. like, as a part of me just, just was you know Neil again I was talking about Neil like I'm married to him but, <laughs> uh, always jokes like whenever I'm doing anything about football I turn into like I'm actually trying to be like Mark Lawrence and like match yeah. the bag and a call and go actually give out the comedy come and talk on this yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I like, got on with people and the, the chairman was like look come we'd love for you to come down as a guest of honour like you know for the, for the last game of the season and Southampton lost like two games on a bounce and they were playing Villa last game of the season. So, and before the game, they, you know, the videos had just come out. So I went round and met some Southampton fans and yeah. strolled around the pitch. And then, out, out of nowhere, Southampton come out and they're 4 0 up at half time. And uh, they're like, look, loads of the fans are asking for you to go down at half time because they, they think it's to do, you know. You know. So at half time, I go down with a microphone, like Delia Smith. Amazing. And um, I'm like, look, you know, this is, I've been here for a week and this is what we've done. No, if everyone in this stadium puts in ten pound, we will get Lionel Messi. Everyone cheers, and the chairman's going, "What are you saying that for?" Uh, and at the end of the game, they go, I did the lap of the honour with the lap of. The honor. I thought I'd never do this at West Ham. Yeah, you know, I'd have loved to it to be in West Ham, but it was an incredible and like I, massive. Then you know, Southampton. I was, you know, unless they relegate West Ham this season, I was like, what an amazing club! But what an amazing, yeah. you know, and, so I, and I took my dad. You know, I took my dad uh, for the day that we had. A, we were in the box with the chairman and stuff, and it, they're the things I love. Yeah. I love like you know because I think you know my and dad are massive have been massive supportive of what I've done I've been very very lucky to have you know parents who you know and, and it's nice to make them proud And it's weird yeah. those things that, that when it's it's football related again a working cl- class families I guess it just means that bit more I remember the first time I had any like I'd, we'd had coverage in NME and the Guardian all sorts the first time the South London Press wrote about me because that's the Millwall paper yeah. in our minds it was like yeah the biggest thing and then then when I was in I was on the the back the back cover of the of the Millwall programme and had a full interview and article in there and yeah. it was like 
It's the biggest thing. Yeah. It means so much more than stuff that's going to get, frankly, do a lot more for me and get a lot more circulation and publicity. But it's like, it's the Millwall programme. And it's a weird thing of that they have this thing of being like, um, yeah, it's the, the little things that... That's, that's after, I guess, what we're all after is that thing of like, it doesn't essentially matter what most people... But for me, like I've been a bit of a bum and I've fallen in and out of trouble and I... To, to 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 have my own show on the BBC like yeah. after and my mum and dad had been exceptional like how they supported and yeah. been like look you're going for this and like, you know some you know I, you know I remember the first little things I did on TV my dad sitting up and watching them so it's like a lovely thing that you sort of now it yeah. feels like yeah you know, and I, I brought him a really small share in a racehorse for for Christmas brilliant and it's the worst horse ever it's called Christmas Spirit <laughs> it's the first race it had it didn't come out of the stalls and it threw a jockey off it. <laughs> <laughs> it broke his leg, uh, and he's like, oh, "Bloody horse, have you brought me here?" And I'm a laughing stock, but it's it's nice. That's the big thing is, yeah. is to do to do things that make them proud and, yeah. and to make you know. I think it's it's nice. I love it's that the trajectory of how far you you've come. I love that. Well, we're coming up to the hour mark, so let's um let's talk about music a bit. Let's get off of um c- c- careers and serious yeah. stuff. What, uh, what music are you feeling at the moment? I know you're a big music fan. So. Yeah, yeah, I love um. I'm crazy. I've just weirdly got into um, uh, sort of the hip the hip hop side. I've literally been crazy with literally the names going out of my head. See, I've asked an awkward question now. I've come in out and nowhere. I wasn't expecting. I was talking about family. I've questioned something. Um, I have the exact same with that man. I was I was going on about young fathers for so long, like from when they came out, on and on. And then I was on someone else's radio show. No, I've literally. And they're like, "What are you after?" I was like, I "Just couldn't couldn't think I've, of the name of him." I've even had though a guy that someone put me onto, and I've literally got him on my phone. This is terrible. Oh, bring it up. I want to know. Oh, okay, Killer Mike. Someone oh, Killer Mike. Me into Killer Mike. So I like my hip hop. Previous guest on the Distraction Pieces podcast. So and he's uh, exceptional. And he's amazing. Because I was a, into... a run the jewels are amazing and the Killer Mike's solo stuff is yeah I've just literally because I like my hip hop yeah and because I'm doing Doc Brown's thing later I've had to send him like a thing and like, oh, him. and I've literally tell him he's coming on at some point I've told amazing. him but we keep not not matching well, up schedules I've been trying to do his thing for about weirdly your one I wanted to do in his yeah yeah, so yeah. Both it's great. yeah but then I was talking to someone the other day and I like I suppose Snoop was the first thing that got me into the hip hop yeah. doggy style. Yeah. Was the first thing. And I was, I was in Ireland weirdly chatting and this guy was like, you know, and he started getting in it was a really weird I was in a little club there doing the old sort of Irish music and I was just yeah. chatting to this guy who's a bit you're into UFC as well. Yeah. Colin yeah, McGregor's yeah. the the thing out there at the moment. Yeah, and rightfully so, no, the guy's I, killing I, it. I love him. It's like Brilliant, it's isn't got it? my style like I'll never be, be David Beckham, but if I can get myself an half decent shot, I might be quite Colin McGregor. Yeah. And um <laughs> he uh, so I got chatting to this guy and he's like oh man have you heard of Killer Mike and uh, literally now I've just got his whole back catalogue on Spotify he's amazing so, and he's so imp- important at the moment as well because the talking he's doing on yeah, TV yeah. in America I said on the podcast he I recommend anyone who's, who's, who's not heard it to go go back and listen to that episode because the stuff he says about um, a, a kind of just about society it, bl- it bl- blew my mind because I just at one part I thought he was going down the route of more rappers sh- should invest in the community yeah. should give back to the community and I was saying you know it's something I'd it gets discussed a lot that a lot of a lot of rappers come from really tough 
upbringings and backgrounds and then get big and leave and don't support yeah. and help. And he kind of, it blew, it blew my mind because this is so simple, but I never thought of it. He's like, no, what I've done is I've started businesses, but I've kept them in my town. So I'm not doing charity, but, 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 but I'm employing people. And I'm bringing, he's like, I'm still getting to be an entrepreneur i'm still getting to be a rapper and this and that but the people who make my merch make my merch in my town yeah. the, you know he's got three barbershops now i think he's like i run my barbershops i'm take. I'm, i intend to take these national international intend this to be a big thing i'm doing this to make money but i'm choosing to do it in a way that helps the communities and society I, I came up in like listening to his music and 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 what he what he's talking about it feels like that i don't know it feels like I don't know, when you first sort of heard Dre or any of that sort yeah. of, you know, and that sort of, they lose that, I guess, with that. You know, it yeah, it feels like that thing of, and it was probably the first person I can think of since the first time I heard Snoop, I wanted to be Snoop. Yeah. Like, I did a character that was, uh, one of the characters I did for years was like a, I did a thing called Cunt Hop. Yeah. And it was half country and it was half rap. Brilliant. So I had a guy <laughs> with me and he'd sing country songs and I, I sort of, like him sound badly, but in an accent. And, um, it's basically Nelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's Nelly. Um, and um, uh, just, yeah, I did ref as well as Nelly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but that sort of, he felt, it, Killer Mike was the first thing I've heard for ages. And it's a, such a weird, what, what I love about things like, I tweet quite a lot about music, I talk about, like, Thug yeah. Life I quite like, and you know, yeah. it's become such a big thing now. It's actually an annoying thing of, like, when I was first tweeting, it was a bit of a joke between me and a couple of other people, and, yeah. and now it's sort of the thug life. Everyone, like, uh, did, yeah. Um, but and I was just chatting to this, this guy in this bar, and he was like, you know, because I had a really weird thing. I was staying in Ireland. I was, stayed out in Mayo, a place called uh, De Huma, which yeah. Steve Mangan's from, and Steve Coogan's from, quite close. But so when I got there, this woman was like, um, oh, yeah, 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 I'll make Mick Murphy, and I was like, no, no, I'm Tom Davis, and she was like. Hey, I've got you booked in as McMurphy. I was like, it might be another McMurphy. It's probably quite a common name out here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she just wouldn't have it, so she's given me and my fiance uh, this room under the name McMurphy. Uh, and I was like, I'm just saying, like locally, I'm related to Dennis and Teddy who are out the road. Like, and she's, uh, oh, hey, 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 no problem, you know. Have a so we're sort of there for a while, and then this guy's coming to the bar, and he's like, um, Ah, your man over there is an actor. He's a big actor, and she says, "That's not an actor. He's Dennis and Teddy's nephew." And it's uh, <laughs> going, "Oh, he's an actor. I've seen him on TV." So she she comes walking over and goes, "Um, the man over there said, did you say to people, you know, you're an actor?' But you, you know, I was, like, oh, "I'm an actor." She said, "I thought you were Dennis and Teddy's." Nephew. I was, "I'm on that as well." I'm both. And I'm she both of these things. Get her head round it. Yeah. And then she's going, "So what's your name? I've never heard it." I was like, "Tom Davis." She said, "Who's McMurphy?" I said, like, "I have no idea what McMurphy." <laughs> like that's the name you've got. But this guy then comes over and we start chatting. He's like, "You know, he followed me on Twitter and." He says, oh, you know, I've Killer Mike. And I was like, no. And then, so we've got this Irish music playing, and then he starts playing Killer Mike in this Brilliant. tiny little, like, like, Irish town. It's like... Of all the places uh, to find yeah, out about Killer Mike. It, literally, like, if you see it, it's literally just a, a bar and a few a few little houses dotted around. Yeah. Uh, and then sort of I came, I've come back and I've sort of, yeah. So he's, he's like someone I've, I've sort of started... Yeah. I've, I've sort of got into. He's uh, amazing. The first, like, when I first pitched... I, I, when I had my radio show on XFM, the beatdown, like when I first pitched that, the opening song was a rap music by Killer Mike, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. and that that then became the opening s- song of the first episode because it was that it felt the epitome I've of got that play, this like, is uh, um, amazing. Doc, I've got that, and, and I've got it's um, so good. And again, it was like that was the thing of this. I, I want this to be the 
the benchmark of what kind of, of hip-hop show this is. I want yeah. people who are tuning in for the first time to go, particularly at that point, it had only just come out, I want them to go, damn, I've never heard this, but this is amazing. Yeah, you know, that instant thing of not just starting easy with Snoop or someone that yeah, they're all going to know and love, but yeah. it'll give the idea going damn, I don't know who this is, but I need to know who this is. And that wanted to be the point of the show. I had a thing of like, you know, because sort of, you know, like weirdly, sort of like, say like Ed Sheeran, like yeah. now obviously Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Like I remember Ed when I I would do like to go to Nando's events or I'd sort of see him in pub yeah. gigs around. Like, People don't, don't, don't realise how much yeah. the, that kid's grafted. Yeah. I've got oh. no beef at all with Ed and, Sheeran. Oh, he, and what a... Like a lovely, lovely boy, and lovely like, you know, dude, yeah, and um, really nice. But I remember guy. seeing him, yeah, like Nando's gigs and tiny little things, and and I'd sort of start seeing him at more and more bits. Um, and now, like you know, when I proposed to my missus, or we had Lego, I put Lego house on, which weirdly yeah. was just it was romantic, yeah, group, yeah. You know it's beautiful, it was beautiful, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, um, but yeah, so but but the weird thing with I found with um, uh, with, with listening to sort of like the newer stuff that I, like that sort of you know you, that I've started revisiting yeah. like for the first time Doggy Style probably yeah. since I was like sort of 20 you know, well, Doggy 20s. Style I've mentioned this oh, I mentioned this when Ramesh was on because we talked a lot about hip hop as well and Doggy Style every year the first day where it's properly sunny I yeah. have to either go for a walk or drive and listen to the entirety of Doggy yeah. Style because that's the start of the summer the first day the sun's out Doggy style goes on and you're there. Yeah, I remember like you know driving around in a battered up old Fiesta and going to pubs and that was as you know. Yeah. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? Was like one still. Yeah. Like, so I went back to that and it was. <laughs> it's weird. I remember like that and I remember like I remember being. I think it was my first lads holiday and Alanis Morissette. Yeah. That had just come out and I jagged remember, little pill. Yeah, and uh, but there, we were a group of like real lads that acquired and like fighting. And, yeah. You know. And but then we sit by the pool and listen to like Snoop Dogg and Alanis Morissette. Brilliant! Um, what a combination! Yeah, and no, she's um, no, but so it, it was a weird thing of, and that's I think the beauty of music that is that thing that just just that thing of Killer Mike that then that starts off you go oh I actually want to listen to this and then yeah. then all of a sudden you're Spotify and you go through this you're like oh wow like I've listened to sort of such a weird group of sort of songs uh, and uh, Alanis Chapman I've just got really back into yeah I've started listening to loads. Alanis Morissette once posted the video for, for Letter from God to Man oh, really? on her website. That's and awesome. it just meant the world to us. It was like, yeah. I don't even listen to your... But I was exactly the same. When Jagged Little Pill came out, I was all yeah. over that. I was I was an angsty teenage girl for that that whole... that whole. <laughs> at that time, I was an angsty a, a teenage girl and it meant the world to me. So, yeah, that even slight nod of awareness, yeah. not even approval, awareness just blew it's, my it's mind. It's a beautiful thing that... And like, you know... It, I, I found out of murder where people that I sort of was big fans of and, and, and liked and, and weirdly like you know it, it's stupid and it's silly but it, it became something that it was nice when you sort of getting that seal of approval from yeah. people that you respected completely and I think that, I'd, I'd like to you know I'd, I'd like to have more musicians if we do it again I'd like yeah. to get a couple of people on I'm all over stuff. it I'm all I'll, over I'll it if that's going on I mean the risk would be now having it's kind of that risk of um of Ali G and Dennis Pennis and all these things after the first series of people being too aware of it yeah. to, for it to be as good as it is, if you know what I mean. The, the beauty of the first season is that no one knew what was going to happen. But then so the worry w- would be you get guests uh, uh, like me who are just ridiculously excited to be involved. <laughs> and then I, think, so, oh. I think, like, actually one of the big, big inspirations of it was Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So it's like that thing of, like, because yeah. there was a while ago that 
I mean, it was the first th- thing you wrote on and got really. Big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my big show. break. Yeah, I started yeah, then, yeah. Then I came over here and started. Um, uh, uh, Tom Davis is just a character. This yeah. Tom Davis, actually, yeah. sort of yeah. fifty-eight-year-old American. Um, but the, the, yeah, you could have people on, and they just have a lot. I, th- I think yeah. you've just, if it doesn't work, like I think, because it's such a contained thing. Yeah. And I think as long as. They have a good time, yeah, and they get to all shoot that, a gun. That that's what Deborah hated. That's one thing she uh, could play her oh, really? then get to shoot a gun. Unbelievable! Because in the end, everyone just wants to play cops and robbers. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I should start to wrap things up. So, um, where can people keep up to date with everything that you're um, on Twitter? You're doing. I watch your Twitter. Big Tom D. Big Tom D. And that's the, the same on Instagram, right? Uh, no, Biggest Thomas. I was Ratscock for years on Instagram. <laughs> and then I got told I had to change it. it was, I loved Ratscock. Yeah, that's, that's fine. I, 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 I was told by a friend, my friend's wife was like, uh, you have to change it. There's kids following you now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I, I do miss the days of the Ratscock. Well, um, 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 and what's ahead? Oh, basically, what's um, the oh, again? It seems you've got it's, it's so much on with more plebs coming, more hopefully, yeah, more murder and successful coming, and everything doing else. Plebs, and then yeah, murder and successful, hopefully, and like I say, free fire and the bad education film. Yeah, you know, it looks amazing. Jack Whitehall's an annoyance for me because I met him once, or we were on Socram together, and probably similar to you I've got a natural if I've got any prejudice it's against posh people and it was so annoying how hilarious friendly and wonderful he, he was I was, I was ready to not like him I was like oh I'm on with that Jack White and I hadn't seen that much of his stuff at that point he was the nicest and funniest guy and then I got into um, A Fresh Meat yeah. which is one of my favourite things Incredible. and Bad Education and everything it's like damn I want to I not like this guy but he's so well, brilliant when you <laughs> I mean, again, you talk about people that have really had a hand in your career. Yeah, I've known Jack for for a number of years, and and he, he he's one of the most giving people in our industry, yeah. one of the sweetest. And and when you know things weren't going great, I did a. You can look at it, it's on it's on YouTube, and he, I came and did a thing with him where I played his bodyguard when he was doing his tour, and yeah, uh, and then you know we did a thing called Cockroaches together, which Freddie Cyborn wrote, and yeah. um, which is brilliant, and it it, it was really it's great scripts for Freddie, but. But Jack is just one of the most lovely, giving people that yeah. who who just is is just such a talent. But but is literally like he sort of just opens his door to his to his sort of friends and his family, that, and you feel like you've known him for years. And yeah. you know, it, it's that thing I think in in not just in our business in life that people aren't often amazingly talented and humble and lovely. It's not usually a mu- mutual thing. But it's Jack a, White, who I think he's yeah. he's all those things. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, I sort of. I, I, I think he's he's a talented bloke, but he's just he's just a joy to be around. He's, yeah. I, I've never been in his company where I haven't walked away with my belly hurting. Well, I'm going to have to dr- 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 drag him on here at some point. I've uh, I've mentioned it, it to him, so we'll get around to that at some point. But yeah, thank you very much for oh, coming on. You. I'll let you get on to more podcasts from the sounds of it now, or more. Yeah, I'm going to go and do Doc's one. Perfect, perfect. Well, th- well thank you very much, man. No, thank you, and, and best of luck with Millwall this season. <laughs> Been listening to Scrooge Picks Discretion Pieces. There we go. 
what a lovely bloke and what a lovely regular guy. That was it, it, that was one where I kept having to remember we're doing a podcast because it felt like I was just chatting to a mate down the pub. Um, yeah, a, a, a lovely, amazing outlook on life. Amazing. I love the fact he started quite late and has just jumped into it and is just, yeah, going from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength. So... Yeah, I mean, I do also need to mention that, uh, you know, he did say how he's a big fan of the podcast and listens to every episode. And then later in the podcast, he says, oh, I've just heard this guy. What's his name? Let me check on my phone. Killer Mike. We've had him on the podcast ages ago, man. He's one of the best rappers around. You should have been paying attention, Tom Davis. What's basically happened there is some people... Uh, cherry pick the podcast and I'm kidding that's natural that's what I do with most a lot of podcasts but what I would encourage you to do is grab a few that you haven't heard of or maybe aren't familiar with because you might find a new favorite artist and and Tom Tom might have been sitting in that pub in Ireland and some guy saying you should listen to Killer Mike and him going dude you should listen to the distraction pieces podcast son um Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Thank you for constantly rating, reviewing, spreading the word, subscribing. It's insane that we keep troubling the charts and just becoming bigger and and, and bigger. We're getting 100,000 downloads a week at the moment, and that's just climbing. It's insane. Um, And that's down to you guys, and it's down to genuine word of mouth. It's down to you guys going, I just enjoyed this. I enjoyed... Uh, last week's one, um, trans special with Jordan Gray, um, a tall, dark friend. I know some people who I think could enjoy that. I'm going to play that to them or or send them a link or get them to listen to it. Or I know some people who are confused over the trans movement and, 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 and transgenderism in general. I think this would open some eyes and, uh, you know, take some previously closed minds and, uh, wedge them open. So yeah, that's what this is about. The drug special as well is one that seems to be getting shared a lot. And the death special and my birthday special. They, they all seem to be ones that are getting shared a lot. Because you can just, you, 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 if you think for a second, you know someone that you think would, would, would dig that and would understand it. So thank you for continuing to spread the word. Um, I'll be back next week, as I am every Wednesday. This has been the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 58. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Bye.